Pass. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello! Howdy! It's been a bit since we've done a countdown episode, so we're going to pull out that old dusty gem and give it a try one more time. You're right. Uh, we've done a lot of other bonus content, though, from Merry Madness tournaments, video game playthroughs, blooper reels, and movie commentaries. But it has been quite some time since we've done a true countdown. Agreed. Um, while I ponder this, I think the last time we did any sort of countdown was with Bill from Zoss Films in October of 2019 when we did the most popular Halloween costumes of the 90s. Wow. Has it really been that long? Apparently. Wow. Uh, however, the, the countdown was put together for us by someone with more access to data and free time at their disposal than any of us. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. So true. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, yep, and before that, it was our slasher special again with Bill from October of 2018, so a whole year before that last one, and before that, it was over two years ago in July of 2018, where we did a countdown of our favorite obscure TV shows. I guess what they say is true, time sure flies as you get older. (laughs) Is that fun? I don't know. (laughs) I'm also (laughs) noticing a theme with Bill. I'm surprised yeah. we didn't call him yeah. for this. He's good at counting down. He's like Mr. NASA. <laughs> <laughs> or Dick Clark, one of the two. <laughs> so today, we're glad that you can join us for our first guestless countdown episode in two years. Wow. Each of us will be sharing our personal top three adult cartoons from 1980 to 2005. So if you missed our last episode, you should really go back and check that out. When the gang and I talked about R&B music group TLC, you can find that and all of our past episodes, including some of the fun bonus episodes mentioned a few moments ago uh, on datingourselvespodcast.com, iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcast. I find mine in Adam's glove box. No. Oh. I was wondering where that came from. I thought maybe I left it in there on accident. <laughs> Did you find his spare keys? <laughs> That's a bad spot to put your spare car keys is inside your car. Uh, to be fair, I'm pretty sure my spare car key is in someone's attic right now. So there's that. Why were you there? <laughs> I, okay, here's the thing. Like I the wasn't watchers. actually. I, I wasn't in someone's attic. However, my keys fell out of my pocket at work, and at the time I was working at an insulation factory, um, and I'm pretty sure they ended up in the insulation. So they're probably in someone's attic walls or something like that right now. That makes a lot more sense. It's going to be weird that one day when I drive by and all of a sudden my door starts unlocking and re <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I know where my keys are now, guys. It also says about the uh, state we all are in our lives that we still plan to be driving the same car that far in the future. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> at least it's paid off at this point, so... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not to mention that next week... I will be leading a discussion of the most epic of epic musicals, The Phantom of the Opera. All right, better stop there before we get sued. Uh, (laughs) Please be sure to think of me and the Dating Ourselves podcast show and come back for that one. Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber can be quite litigious from what I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we get too far into this discussion, I need to preface that adult cartoons, and I'm using air quotes, you know, 
radio, I have to specify, <laughs> of course. are not um, adult cartoons in every sense, but primarily cartoons that aired on TV geared toward an older audience than, say, Captain Caveman. <laughs> Captain Caveman! <laughs> Your impression is so much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that good. It's not Mickey Mouse. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Captain Caveman! <laughs> <laughs> so what would Vince McMahon sound like? <laughs> oh, He's huge! Captain Caveman! He's huge! <laughs> So if you were looking for some of the cartoons whose DVDs are carried out of the store in a black plastic bag, then that really won't be the topic of this episode. <laughs> oh, that's well, too bad. Well, <laughs> shoot. I'm going to have to uh, take a couple minutes to update my list, guys. I guess uh, Tugs Bunny and Yosemite Ram are off the <laughs> list. <laughs> Along with Fappy Duck. <laughs> Syphilis and Tweety. <laughs> Oh, Elmer Thud. <laughs> oh, man, that's gross. <laughs> oh, so moving on. Uh, so, decide who goes first. Let's name our favorite anthropomorphic chicken. Uh, and whoever we decide has the best one will go first. And we'll go alphabetically round robin from there. Are you guys ready? Ready. Sure. Yeah. Decide who goes first in the. the, (laughs) I think we just do one, two, three, go. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna start. Darn it! I'm gonna say chicken from Cow and Chicken. Oh, there you go. Kentucky Fried Foghorn Leghorn. Oh no! (laughs) That's so sad. (laughs) Um, Well, you guys literally took the two that I had in my pocket, so I'm just gonna go with Chicken Little. Rockadoodle? Uh, sure, Chicken Little. Sure. Whatever. Super Chicken? <laughs> Robot <laughs> Chicken. Super Chicken. Robot Chicken. Oh, that's nice. I, I think I'm going to have to go with the uh, secret blend of herbs and spices. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. That would be my, that would be my <laughs> I'll vote. I'll i say, I'll say. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, guys? Who do you vote for? I'll, I'll go with Brian and vote for uh, KFC. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that means, Paul, you get to lead this discussion, and then it'll go, uh, so you're t- number three, then we'll do Adam's number three, my number three, back to you, Paul, for number two, and we'll go through like that. Sound good? Sounds good. Although, I'm not going to lie here. I am going to present what is probably actually my number one as my number three. Just so it doesn't get stolen. <laughs> so, yes. As longtime listeners of the show know, my choices have a tendency to be stolen, and by the end of this, I'm desperately on Wikipedia trying to find something <laughs> that no one's ever heard of, just so that I can participate in the conversation. You'll hear a lot but of clacking feel... of keys in the background as Paul's exactly. frantically researching. <laughs> but I feel confident that this is a solid number three in the show, because while it's my number one, it's probably not too high on anyone else's list, but I want to throw it out there first. Sure. Okay. So... I'm going with Todd McFarlane's Spawn, oh, that's an animated great. series which aired on HBO from 97 to 99. Nice. 
Um, if you're unfamiliar with it, Spawn was played by uh, Keith David, who if you don't oh. know who Keith David is, you clearly don't watch television because he's if, in everything. If you, don't if, you know don't, who, if you don't know who Keith David is, it's most likely you just don't know his name, but you've seen him in just about everything. And that's what I was going to say. He's one of those actors that um, you'll always recognize him, and he's great in everything, but very seldom does he have a starring role, which is also why this show is near and dear to my heart, because it was the perfect role for Keith David, because he has a very empowering, memorable voice. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't... Kind of a baritone. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're unfamiliar with the... um, phenomenon that is Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Uh, Spawn is a anti-hero who is a former special ops soldier who was killed by his best friend and because of his, you know, crimes on Earth because he's an assassin, he is sent to hell. He then makes a deal with the devil to become the hell spawn, the current hell spawn. Throughout the show, they allude to there were multiples. And he gets sent back to Earth with no memory and superpowers so that in the future he can lead the devil's armies. Sounds like a good gig, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, the show was the first animated show for HBO. It won a, um, it won an Emmy for outstanding animation program longer than one hour. Um, most of the episodes were actually a half hour, but the pilot episode was like an hour and 10 minutes. And then in, in syndication, they split it up into multiple episodes. Right, right. Um, but it's it's very dark. The animation style is very similar to Batman, the animated series, which it came out a few years prior in 92. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it was very adult. Uh, it was very dark, violent, grotesque. And it was it truly was spawn. And one of my favorite things they did on this show was um, Todd McFarlane himself would do an introduction to the show. You know, similar on, like, Tales for the Crypt, where the Crypt Keeper, like, introduces and sets up, like, what this week's episode is going to be about. Yep. Yeah. They did that um, with uh, Todd McFarlane himself in, like, he would always wear, like, a Rod Serling-style suit, kind of like in the intro to The Twilight Zone. And he would always be doing something like playing a piano or, like, standing in a back alley and would do something to set up the theme of... Of the upcoming episode. Yeah, this doesn't sound 90s at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> Standing in a dark alley with a trench coat on, <laughs> puffing a exactly. cigarette, just looking at the camera. Oh, I wasn't expecting you. The, anyway, here's the my only, tale. The, ol- the only light is coming from the cigarette. There's no yep. uh, exterior lighting or anything. Just <laughs> see a little bit of his face. <laughs> but sadly, in its third season, it ended abruptly and angry fan letters and internet hatred uh could not resurrect it instead Ugh. we got the live action movie which was terrible yes definitely yeah. not not a great movie although i definitely love the ripper era judas priest song burn in hell off that soundtrack is so Ooh. so good i wouldn't um, say it's not a, if it wasn't a spawn movie i think i would love the movie i think it's more that they took one of my favorite characters And just twisted it into something that fit a PG-13 movie. Yeah, I didn't live up to those expectations. You definitely can't make Spawn a PG-13 and expect it to be a big box office smash. Kind of takes away from the 
from from the you know heart of that storyline. It's got to feel more like a like a Sin City or something like yeah, that. Yeah, where yeah, it's absolutely. just just the dregs of the earth type. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. You know, there's some really really heavy stuff that's that's in Spawn. Whether it's the comics, whether it's the the TV series, what whatever it might be. You know, Todd McFarlane loved having those really heavy heavy themes. Yes. And that's really tough to do when you're keeping the censors in mind. So uh-huh. <laughs> HBO was the perfect spot for him to go hog wild and they Absolutely. did not shun on the violence or the imagery or the story or any of it. And it was a very true, well done adaptation of his work. And I have hope that the upcoming Spawn projects will be more in the feel of that than uh the 97 movie. Mm-hmm. But that's my number three. I like it. All right. Uh, so my my first choice on here, number three, uh, is a adult animated web series. Uh, so it wasn't initially a TV show, but they did end up creating, kind of like turning it into a TV show. Uh, but it was a YouTube show initially called Happy Tree Friends. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> it was... It was uh, created originally in 1999, and I think ran through like the early to mid 2000s in the original run. I think there might have been like a spinoff that kept going. Sure, uh, but essentially the show followed. Uh, speaking of anthropomorphic animals, uh, this show fe- heavily featured anthropomorphic animals. Uh, and the the draw of the show was it's these cute, like kind of almost like Disney like uh, cute animals. But all of them would end up getting killed, murdered, uh, decimated. Oh, in terribly in the- violent ways, too. Oh, like, think yes. of, like, Itchy and Scratchy, you know? Um, yes. People would get their, like, or not, I shouldn't say people. They're, like, squirrels and raccoons and stuff like that would get, yep. like, yep. limbs sawed off, spines ripped out from their back, and just horrendously, horrifically graphic shit. <laughs> yep. Pretty, pretty much think of, like, fatalities from, uh, Mortal, Kombat. from Mortal Kombat, <laughs> and that's what they would uh, have happen to them. And every episode, it was always something different based off of where the characters were. Like, there was one, uh, there, there was a character named Flippy, who was a male green bear, and he was, uh, like, a veteran soldier that obviously had, like, PTSD and so in the episode, they're out like camping and something triggers his his response and ends up like going on this crazy killing spree. So it's just weird <laughs> stuff like that. It's a very strange show. I don't even remember how I initially came across it, but uh, I showed it to you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're that sounds right. about right. That sounds about right. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I ended up having the entire first season on DVD. There we go. Date myself a little bit back when <laughs> DVDs were still a thing. Uh, but yeah, it's just a very crazy show and a lot of ways to kill animals that you never thought you'd see before. There and it go. was one of those, it came, it was at the height of the Joe cartoon and the Homestar Runners yeah, when the yep. web was becoming a actual plausible delivery mechanism for such content and the production quality for flash animation of that show was well above everything else that has been out on the web like when you watch the two three minute shorts you felt like you were watching a real show or a real cartoon and 
Like a hand it, animated, like they drew out the entire episode kind of look mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just leaps and bounds, say, you know, Joe Cartoon or Strong Bad or any of those that were also popular at the time. Not saying those were any less great, but the production quality of Happy Tree Friends definitely set it apart in that era. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I I still would rank, rank this and... Uh, um, oh, what's the other one? Red versus Blue as two of my all-time <laughs> favorite like web series. They're just so good. Yep. Red versus Blue started the whole phenomenon of what was called machinimation or machinima, yeah. where they used the video game. They in this case Halo. They used the video game to act out the parts, and then they dubbed in the voices later. And they were able to produce whole seasons of a TV show that eventually got picked up and turned into a real TV show. And yeah. they still use the video game to produce it. I mean, and a, it's, a amazing idea, though. Imagine how much they're saving on having to animate and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the and it, licensing, I'm sure. You know, they don't have to have to pay to be able to use the likeness of the characters and stuff like that. If you've never I'm sure seen... once they started making money on it, they did. Oh, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. If you guys have never seen uh, Red vs. Blue and you like just weird, zany comic uh, comedy and stuff like that, definitely check it out. It is very funny, especially the first couple seasons. The, mm-hmm. It actually... It is a very hard R, though. Le- le- yeah, oh yeah. For language, But, but later in the, later in the series, it becomes like a legit show. Like, the, the first couple seasons are just about... Uh, you know, a red army versus a blue army that are stationed in a canyon together uh, across the canyon from each other. And it's just, you know, oh, haha, we're in these, you know, funny situations. As they started to, like, expand the storyline and stuff, though, it became, like, a legit show. Like, really cool storylines, some amazing action sequences, along with the stupid comedy still, but... Yeah, it kind of reminded me in the early days of, like, those G.I. Joe um, PSAs, yeah, PSAs that, they, yeah. yes. that they did. They, like, redid all of them to, like, match the lips. We're saying ridiculous things. Pork chop sandwiches! <laughs> exactly. Hey, kid, <laughs> what I'm are a you doing? Get out! Stop all the downloading! <laughs> yeah, but then it kind of turns into almost, like, uh, what was that movie that um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone did? Uh, Team, Team America. America. Team America. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, it, it kind of feels more like that as you get to the end. So it's absolutely still balls to the walls, crazy slapstick humor. But it uh, but it at least has a through line that like you can follow. Yeah. Uh, it's as opposed to just single episode like fart jokes and things mm-hmm. like that. So there, there was uh, there was one episode in particular that was really cool where uh, two of the main characters are having a fight with a mercenary and they're in a room with a bunch of teleportation devices so they keep on getting kicked through the portals and coming out like other parts of the room and she's still just, you know, handing them their asses. But it was so <laughs> cool how they how they did that whole thing because it was very Matrix-like in that they would like stop and move the camera, like the bullet time and stuff like that. It was really, really well done scene for a show that up until that point, you know, was like Brian mentioned, was uh, known for very sophomoric jokes. Yeah. Now, did they ever stop collaborate and listen, though? That's the real question. That's what I want to know. <laughs> they did not. Uh, well, can't always. Can't always. Um, so my number three um, is 
It's animated, but it was a talk show uh, running from 1994 through 2008 called Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, yes. One moment while I cross that off my list. (laughs) (laughs) It is so, so fantastic. Um, It was created by Matt Lazo, not to be confused with Matthew Lesko, the guy with the question mark suits and uh, (laughs) the free money books infomercials. He actually doesn't live too far from uh, from us. We, we've actually seen him out in, in the wild. He actually drives a, a Mini Cooper that's covered in question marks as well, and you'll occasionally bump into him at, at like different restaurants and stuff like that. Did you, Does he uh, wear the question mark suit in public? Everywhere. Everywhere that he goes. I've taken <laughs> pictures of him like at different Starbucks and uh, Le Pan and places like that. Yeah, he still does that get up all the time. He's... In fact, if you go to his Wikipedia page... Um, his son used to be a White House staffer, and he went to the White House to meet President Obama at the time in his question mark suit. <laughs> <laughs> does Does he pay for his Starbucks and pennies that he borrowed from the government? Probably, probably. He's probably living very well off of free money. You know, <laughs> so. he he, re- he reminds me of in. Uh, how I Met Your Mother, there's that episode where they're like, you're not a true New Yorker unless you see Maury Povich. And they keep running into him at like all of them run into him uh, at the like during this uh, episode, like pretty much at the like similar times. But he's like everywhere in the city. <laughs> it sounds like he's a lot like that. Like everyone just runs into him. It's like the opposite of Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's the opposite of Sasquatch. <laughs> but the way that this show kind of worked um was that it was initially started off as kind of for the most part like like a legitimate talk show that just so happened to have the Hanna-Barbera superhero Space Ghost as the interviewer. And there'd be some jokes and things like that, but as time went on and Adult Swim started to become a thing, um, the show got really, really weird. And when I was like in my teenage years, it was really, really weird in a good way. Um, <laughs> um, you had George Lowe playing Space Ghost. You had Andy Merrill playing uh, my favorite character, Brack, um, as well as uh, Lokar and a few other characters. You had C. Martin Crocker playing Zorak and Moltar. You also had Scott Finnell playing Harvey Birdman, which would eventually get oh, yeah. um, his own spinoff show called Harvey Birdman, which is another Hanna-Barbera superhero uh, property doing like ridiculous stuff uh, as an attorney, basically. Um, <laughs> and then uh, you had Don Kennedy as uh, Tanzit the announcer. But I remember watching this show and they would have a whole bunch of pretty famous people from from the 90s and early 2000s like i remember beck was on an episode once and um weird al weird al was on it jim cherry um, yeah they would get a bunch of really great people and i don't know um brack was always my favorite like he just had like the craziest like like a bobcat <laughs> goldthwaite kind of voice um and he was just so crazy the show was canceled in 2008 um, I feel like they tried to do a, a reboot of it at some point in the 2000 teens for maybe like half a season uh, on Adult Swim. But yeah, and that's really all I have on the show. I don't know if anyone's got any favorite moments from the show or favorite characters or anything. But um, that that was one of those shows I remember seeing a lot, but it was always like I just catch random parts of it. Like I never actually 
sat down and watched a full episode of it. It was always like when I'd yeah. be flipping through the channels to get to, uh, you know, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, or whatever to watch another show that I'd happen right. to catch it. So I I remember really enjoying it, but it was it was never a show that I actually sat down and watched. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. I remember in like the in ninety. 495 when it was really new they would air it on tbs occasionally even though it was primarily a cartoon network show but they would show it on tbs at the same time slot as they would show like the tonight show mm-hmm. oh interesting i didn't know that but they, they would only do it on uh like friday nights or it was some weekend night it was either friday or saturday and they would just do the one episode, and it would always be one that featured, like, a topical guest. I know when The Mask came out, that's when they had Jim Carrey on it. And oh, okay. that's what, when I was most excited about the show. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were all pretty big Jim Carrey fans back then. Yeah, I'd say but- so. <laughs> Some of us more than others, right, Brian? oh man i was obsessed (laughs) before reason zorak was always my favorite character i loved that he was like his mortal enemy but he forced him to be like the keyboard player yeah and he you know anytime he tried to in his band yeah (laughs) and he hated it (laughs) and anytime he had to anytime he tried to take over the show or escape he would just get blasted and they would have that same reused cutscene of him sitting there like smoldering and then they would just cut back to what it was ever going on that's hilarious i love that <laughs> uh, i might have to go back and rewatch this show it's uh, really well good. worth it oh that's awesome so paul i think that brings us back to you for your number two all right well i had i, I struggled to decide where to go next because none of mine have been stolen yet and i'm <laughs> worried <laughs> so i am going to go with MTV's Celebrity Deathmatch. Oh, oh, that's a great choice. Yes. Oh, uh, what a great show. This was one of my mainstream picks that I didn't, uh, I assumed would be gone long before this point. I honestly didn't even think about it because it was claymation. Same. I was thinking like literally just pen on paper animation. I think that's a great, great inclusion on the list. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, as I went through it, I started thinking about liquid television on MTV, and then I started reminiscing about all the dumb things that I used to get excited about on MTV. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I always go back to Celebrity Deathmatch, because it is one of my guilty pleasures to this day. I will still go back and rewatch the first couple seasons. <laughs> so good. So, it was, uh, Nick Diamond and what was the other host? The other oh, I, I remember announcer. Nick Diamond. I can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, Johnny uh, Gomez. Gomez. Yep. Johnny Gomez. Yep. Johnny yeah. Gomez. And then who was the? Uh, it was always the same referee. Mills Lane. Mills, yep, Mills Lane. Lane. Yep, that's right. Except for the handful of episodes where it was Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he yep. was usually guest commentator. Yep. Yep. But yep. he did referee a handful of them. <laughs> and Stone Cold and Mills Lane actually played themselves. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. So for the uninitiated, uh, Celebrity Deathmatch was a stop-motion claymation series created by Eric Fogel for MTV in the MTV heyday, just as they were starting to move away from music videos and produce more reality comedy content. Mm -hmm. Some say the downfall of MTV because they went too far one direction than the other, but... 
In my mind, the golden sure. years or my formative years, Celebrity Deathmatch came into fruition, which was the stop motion claymation show where they took like exaggerated versions of celebrities living or dead and they had to fight together to the death in a ring. Right. And they had such matchups as Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Sylvester Stallone or yep. Tim Allen versus Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, there was no Tommy, end or limit. Tommy Lee versus Ron Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw that one, but I can imagine how it went. <laughs> uh, we'll tell you off the air how that one ended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure uh, your parents aren't around, kids, when you listen to that one. So, um, but the I remember there was, was one, one oh. like, I think the, it started off as something after the Super Bowl or after New Year's Eve or something like that. Like, it was like a one or two episode special that kind of took off into a series. And I remember in that initial episode... I want to say it was Marilyn Manson versus Hanson. I yes. think you're right. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Um, yep. They would air it as an alternative Super Bowl halftime show. That's and what it that was. That was a that's tradition that they kept going throughout the show's runtime from 98 to 2002. Yeah. Nice. And at that time, too, I mean, you call it the, the golden era of MTV. I would also call that like the golden era of of pro wrestling when when oh, wwe absolutely. was still wwf yep, um, yes. and there was a lot of stone cold was obviously the, the person that they had in most often but i feel like they did a lot of maybe not so introducing the actual wrestlers themselves but they had you know clay models of some of the others like the rock and other wrestlers that were really big at the time right right yeah, I mean, the whole thing was it was highly stylized pro wrestling. That's what they were playing off of was the violence of the Attitude Era with WWF and ECW. Yep. And Hell in they, the Cell type stuff, yeah. Yeah, and yep. they played off all of the tropes of weapons matches and they exaggerated the violence and they had the fast-talking announcers. Yep. And yep. <laughs> it was just... It was perfect and it was beautiful and they canceled it. And it's every time they bring it back for a one-off special, it's never the same as it first was. No, no. Yeah. It's I hard, feel to, like hard to recapture the magic of something when it's not in the, in the moment or the, yeah. the era when it was created. Like it always yeah. just feels kind of forced and never quite has the right... Well, Glad in, in a, that made it special. Yeah. Well, in addition to like WWF attitude era and things like that, this is also the era where like Jerry Springer was huge. Oh, and yeah. And like yeah. just in general, there was Maury a lot of like Jerry. really trashy, violent TV shows that we all gravitated towards. And this fit into that perfectly. Like, it, remind me again, Johnny Gomez was the one who kind of looked like Mean Gene Okerlund. Like had the mustache and was bald, or was that Nick Diamond? That was I think Nick that Diamond. was Nick. Yeah, because one of them was always like had something really, really awfully depressing going on in his life outside <laughs> of his announcing job. Um, like like one of his kids was dying, or like you know his house was being burglarized, or like there's always something terrible going on in his life, <laughs> and so in like moments in between matches they would cut back to that and he'd be like on the phone trying to figure out like why his wife was leaving him for her yoga instructor or whatever i mean there was and he gets fired at one point yep. and then he as he's walking out from getting fired he gets hit by a car and goes into a coma and then some 15 year old kid takes his job and does a really terrible 
job of it and they wheel the tv into his room while he's in his coma and the show's going so poorly he wakes up out of his coma steals an <laughs> ambulance and drives back to the arena and then ends up having a match with the kid oh that's awesome that's awesome Oh, I love that Paul remembers that whole storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, that was, you know, that was just part of my life then. That's what you did on the weekends is they would just have hours of marathons of celebrity oh, yeah. deathmatch. And there were some episodes. It didn't matter how many times I've seen them. It was just like, oh, it's on again. Yep. And then there was the video game that came out for Xbox. And it was oh, just yeah. aw- it was an awesome time in MTV. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yep, back back when they still had a decent balance of uh, music and and trashy TV. Now it's just trashy TV, and yep. they forgot the music. <laughs> yep, which is funny considering it's music television. But you know, I guess that's he- neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, what do you got for your number two? All right, my number two is uh, an interesting one because it kind of uh, straddled two different time periods. Uh, and kind of two different audiences, and that was Ren and Stimpy. Mm, uh, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so Ren and Stimpy, if you've never seen it before, uh, was a cartoon that initially was on Nickelodeon. Uh, yeah, and then, it was released at the same time as Doug and Rugrats. Is one of the initial three Nicktoons. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. And it always, it always definitely pushed the envelope as far as. You know, it was still a kid show, but it was pretty dark and edgy for a, a kid show. And then eventually in the early 2000s, uh, they made the jump to full adult show and they uh, did an updated version on TNN. It only ran for like six episodes, though, um, three of which apparently aired and then the rest didn't. Um, oh it, it just was not received well, unfortunately, but, uh, Ren and Snippy was just a very weird, interesting concept for a show. It, it uh, featured a dog named Ren, uh, Ren Hoke, Hook, something like that, uh, who was a little chihuahua and then Stimson J. Stimpy cat, uh, which was this kind of dim witted, cat that uh was friends with a very very fat cat with no tail yes yes yes. and a big blue nose i don't know why his (laughs) nose was blue but it was and Uh, i loved ren like his character was very normal little chihuahua in the fact that very, very chill, and then all of a sudden would be completely psychotic at the drop <laughs> yes. of the hat. <laughs> you yes. stupid idiot! <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and he, like, slaps Stimpy around, and that's where I first learned the word idiot was from Ren and Stimpy. Oh, and my mother was not thrilled that. about that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Brian's mom, I'm going to have to have a talk with her and let her know that you're still saying terrible words like idiots. So, <laughs> as far as Ren and Stimpy goes and follow language... Uh, we used to have the Ren and Stimpy game for the Sega Genesis, and I remember oh. my brother and I were playing that in our basement, and the door at the bottom of the stairs was open up to the living room, which was next to the kitchen where my mom was, and I said something to my brother like, like, God damn it, Kyle, or something like that. I'm like, oh. you know, Ooh. eight years old, <laughs> seven <laughs> years old, something like that, and my mom sticks her head down the stairs like, Brian! Get up here! <laughs> We're gonna have a talk about language. Like, like, oh man, I got, I got an earful. <laughs> I bet you did. You potty mouth. 
So Ren and Stimpy was a very bad influence on me as a child. It was a great innuendo kid show. Rugrats would be in the same boat where all the little stuff in the background garnered it a very large adult following. Uh And it it even was aired on MTV at different points in time as a space filler just because of how popular it was with the adult audience. Uh Oh, sure. It was very weird for a kid show like that original run. it, It was not a typical kid show. It featured a lot of storylines or or situations which were very foreign to like a little kid show but yeah. just somehow worked in that universe or whatever well, it was very strange there are some things they did on that show that had never really been done before but you see it more frequently in shows after that like when you yeah. look at spongebob SquarePants and you look at rocco's modern, modern life, life and, and yep. some of the the cartoon network shows too you'll get like these close-ups of like you know boogers in stimpy's nose yeah. or like a, a pimple on his butt cheek or something like that like be really close up and you could see like hairs and things sticking like that was just so so... gross yeah Um, and you like you kind of get that in other shows now but like back then like you think about the shows that were released alongside it doug i mean if the show arthur had people instead of animals as the main character it would be doug like that's basically what that show was and you know Rugrats was little babies like yeah they might talk about poop or being naked or something like that but Ren and Stimpy was like a whole whole league away from that in terms of just pushing an envelope that I don't know in the 90s like my dad used to stay home from church when my mom my brother and I would go and he would record (laughs) Ren and Stimpy for us so we could watch it over lunch when we got back from church um (laughs) explains so much <laughs> yeah crazy crazy stuff um but, do you but, guys remember the last episode of ren and stimpy or what the storyline was of the big finale no vaguely but i don't remember it enough to... so in the f- last few episodes which was like the only multi-part storyline that really mattered throughout the show uh ren wants to be an actor And he finds out that he's just too scrawny, but there's a crazy doctor that's willing to do a surgery for him where they take fat from other places on your body and they insert it in your ab region to make it look like you're ripped. (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) So this is ringing a bell now. So Stimpy wanting Ren to fulfill his life dream because when Ren goes in to go to the surgery, like, sorry, you're not a candidate for the surgery because you have no body fat because he's a little (laughs) tiny, skinny chihuahua. Yep. So Stimpy agrees to give his butt fat to Ren so (laughs) that Ren Ren can be a uh, famous actor. And then they, uh, that effectively, that one last act of Stimpy doing that for him effectively ends their friendship because Ren goes to Hollywood, becomes famous, and they supposedly never talk again until they rebooted this, not rebooted, but revamped the series and brought it back. Mm-hmm. And then they meet up again. But the, like the last episode is like Stimpy watching Ren from afar crying because he's so happy because his friend finally met his goal in life, even though Ren just goes off to Hollywood and forgets all about him. Yeah. Well, that's really sad. 
So it is, but that's what made that show so different. Is the happiness was not guaranteed. It was, oh, yeah. it was edgy and it was weird, but it was sarcastically so. It wasn't dark in the way Spawn was dark. It no, was dark in that, <laughs> you know, it was dark in the big pimple poppers sort of way or yeah, whatever that was, stupid TLC show is uh, that Dr. I refuse to watch. Yeah, yep, I refuse yeah. to watch it. Yeah, no, yeah. I can't do that. I can't I've, do that. I've watched uh, a handful of clips from it, but I can't. I can't actually watch an episode. But uh, going back to one thing Brian had mentioned, because it's something that was uh, used again in the the adult version of the series, and it was just so gross. Was that uh, you, you know the zooming in on like the really gross whatever it was? Because you have to understand with this too, you know the the animation for Ren and Stimpy was pretty uh, pretty similar to most other shows in that, you know, they had a lot of detail drawn and stuff like that, but it was still very cartoonish. When they would do these uh, close-ups, they would, like, hyper-accentuate details to, so, like, every gross thing you could think of yeah. was represented it, in this. Like It's the- almost as if, like, the Autobahn, like, bird books had yeah. done a medical journal. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so I remember watching, uh, I think it was the first episode of the adult run in Stimpy when it came back on. And the very first episode, they're like in a wild west setting and they're in a saloon and, uh, somehow Ren gets thrown into or, or shut into a spittoon and starts living in there. But at one point, they do a close-up of the spittoon, and it like it was in such detail that it was like making me wretch just watching oh. it. It's like a cartoon, oh. but, but the detail of him like in the spittoon was so gross. And that's one thing that they did so well was just they'd go from this typical animation to all of a sudden having this most like obscenely gross close-up of something disgusting like uh brian mentioned uh, a booger in someone's nose or a um uh slow-mo uh, snot dripping yeah. from someone's nose yep yeah it was yeah. very cre- very gross how they did that there were three things i wrote notes on these so i wouldn't forget them that i think are just so fantastic about this show um so log i think was one of my yes. favorite reoccurring <laughs> Um, bits in the show. (laughs) And for those who are not familiar, Log was essentially making fun of Slinky, which is, you know, the little spring that you put on the stairs and it tumbles down the stairs. Well, this was just like a log, like a (laughs) piece of firewood, and you would just roll it down the stairs. And there's a whole song that Adam was kind of alluding to just there, you know? Um, (laughs) It's fun for a girl and a boy. It's Log. It's Log. Something about it's better it's, uh, than bad. It's good. It's better than yep. bad. It's good. Yep. <laughs> um, the the second thing I wanted to mention, which is actually my absolute favorite part of the show, was the music in this show. Was all like nineteen fifties grocery store music. Yeah, like the supermarket <laughs> <Yeah>. music. Like music. Yeah, like it's so. Like there's a certain quality about it that like you just don't hear anywhere anymore other yep. than like old like leave it to beaver episodes yeah that's <laughs> and red a, and stimpy and that's it and that's it um it's i i love that component because then you would have like them you know 
you know, Stimpy eating his own cat litter and like getting sick from it while this like dun, 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 <laughs> music is playing in the background. The last thing is, is um, so as I mentioned, my dad used to record these for us on Sunday mornings. He would stay home and get some work done and then like run the, the VCR and, you know, get this show and Doug and whatever else was on during that time. Um, and one of the episodes I remember watching, uh, Ren is not Ren. He is like some type of like um, Jack Hanna, um, Steve Irwin type guy exploring like the wilderness. And he comes across this animal <laughs> called, that. yeah, he comes across this animal called the Croco Stimpy. And my brother and I just thought it was <laughs> hilarious, you know, because I think we were like five and seven at the time. And my dad used to sing a song, Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be Croco Stimpies, you know. <laughs> um, and we used to think that was just hilarious. So, but those are all my memories with, with uh, Ren and Stimpy. It's, uh, it was a really, really weird show that could have only existed in the 90s. Um, and I'm so glad For that sure. I was the right age to really appreciate it at the time. Well, and obviously <laughs> the adult version of it really proved it because it wasn't that long after the original show aired that they tried it again, but it just did not work in the in the, you know, an updated era or whatever. It sure. just didn't land the same. Sure. Also absolutely. also one thing that just blew my mind when I was looking uh looking up this stuff earlier is do you guys know who who voiced Stippy? I don't. No. Billy West on the original show voiced Stippy, which if you guys don't know who Billy West is, is uh crazy famous voice actor but is most probably known for playing fry on futurama oh really he plays doug too doesn't he i think he does yeah he i mean he plays a whole host of of uh he's got a very particular like high voice but it's not like an effeminately high voice like i don't know how he does it it's cartoonish yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like a very nervous voice. I don't know. It's 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 is really it cartoonish weird. because we've all heard his voice through all the cartoons we enjoy and love, or is well, it cartoonish because that's the best way to describe it? I, <laughs> a little I of both. <laughs> think it, yeah, six of one, half a dozen of the other for sure. <laughs> all right. So for my number two, I am really struggling because I picked a whole bunch of extras just in case if some of mine were stolen, and so far none of mine have been yet. So I think I'm going to go with one that's a little bit off the rails. Um, and it's a little bit later in our time frame than some of the other shows we've discussed. Um, and that is Samurai Jack. Oh, um, yeah. I love Samurai Jack. Um, it was original air of the first four seasons was between 2001 and 2004. Um, and then they did a fifth season in 2017. Uh, the show was created by... I think he pronounced his name uh, Jendi Tarkovsky. Hmm. Um, Tartakovsky, maybe. Um, I had never heard of him, but looking him up, uh, you know a lot of his work, um, such as Dexter's Laboratory, Primal, Star Wars Clone Wars. He was also the director of the Hotel Transylvania trilogy, um, and he was a, a pretty important uh, crew member and contributor to the Powerpuff Girls, Two Stupid Dogs, and Batman 
not Mad Men, the animated series. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I don't care about it then if it's not Mad Men, the animated series. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The, the, the cast of the show was pretty limited. Uh, it was basically... Phil Lamar uh, plays Jack. Uh, he's a, another really famous voice actor. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that he's in right now, but he's he's done a lot of, especially stuff in the in the 2000s. Um, and then uh, a guy named Mako uh, played Aku, uh, and he was a really famous uh, Japanese voice actor who has uh, who has since passed away, which is why I think they had so many years between seasons four and seasons five is they had a new person play Aku. Have you guys seen this show? Are you familiar with it? I know what it is, but I've never seen it. Yeah. Really? I, I never watched it and I don't know why, because it seems like something that I would love. Yeah. It's just it, at the time that it came out, it was, if I remember correctly, it was the start of Cartoon Network phasing in the Adult Swim stuff. But what they did is they had Samurai Jack be in like the teen time slot, which was yeah. like the 7 to 8 p.m. time frame, mm -hmm. which led up to either Toonami or Adult Swim on Cartoon Network, you know, for the weekends at that point. It wasn't an every night thing yet. Yeah. And usually at that, at that point in my life, I was at work at that time. I did get yeah. home until you know past the first hour of adult yep. swim so i just i never i never encountered it but i always wanted to and i've always heard amazing things yeah so i mean i watched it a little bit during its initial run in high school but similarly if i wasn't at work or doing homework or at band practice you know what was i doing so um but when I got to college, I went to like a, a video rental store. Um, it wasn't a blockbuster. I can't even remember what it was called now. But um, <laughs> uh, but it was like a Mammoth one. video. It was a one off place. Um, you could probably ask uh, your wife, Paul. She probably knows the place. It was, it was Mammoth video and it was in the strip mall by where she used to live. <laughs> yeah, it very well could be. It very well could be. So. Um, I still have the card from there, and it's the only place <laughs> that I've ever encountered such a chain, yet they gave me a nicer laminated card than Blockbuster. Ever. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but the show is about um, this this character, Aku, who is like evil incarnate and travels through time, basically, and tries to you know destroy the world in a lot of different ways. He kind of gets depicted as sort of a, like an Asian style dragon type thing, um, but he takes on lots of different forms from a lion to a snake to, you know, all sorts of different things. He, and he's got kind of a, um, a fluid quality about him where he can flow in and out of different things. And, and Jack, Samurai Jack, his purpose is to kill Aku to basically rid the world of evil. And they're essentially the only two characters in the show. I mean, there's occasionally, you know, he'll, he'll go to a village and talk with somebody, but there are no like sidekicks. There's no really any other type of reoccurring um, supporting characters. And it's just a really interesting, like mano a mano, like, well, it's not even mano a mano. It's, it's like man versus God type man versus devil situation. It's, it's really good. It's really good. Um, and the animation style is so weird and unique. Um, I remember from the previews it being kind of like Dexter's Lab as far as like the way the people were laid out, but it seemed to be much more pronounced and more color depth. 
definitely a lot of color depth. Like you definitely feel like it's in a three-dimensional world, but the three-dimensional world almost feels like it's a play set as opposed to like an actual, you know, landscape or something like that. Like it feels like something that a casting crew put together um, for a production of, of a live performance. It, I don't know. It's so cool. I would definitely, definitely, definitely recommend it. I don't know where you can stream it. Um, that's that's part of my old guy charm is I don't know how technology <laughs> works, but uh, it is really, really fantastic. Um, I haven't watched the show probably since college, so I can't give you any specific episodes or anything that I, you know, that really connected with me. But um, Since I'm unfamiliar with the show, if you had to give me an age category as far as like who would most enjoy the show, is it enjoyed best by adults that can understand the overarching themes yeah. or is it more of a teen action show? I would say it, it's similar in theme, not at all in animation or anything or in, in content, but like just in terms of like the, the level of gravity and stuff to like uh avatar the last airbender so yes kids could absolutely watch it uh teens could absolutely watch it but there's something about it it's not like dragon ball z or pokemon or something like that it's definitely got like a i don't know a, a certain level of good versus evil on on more of a um I don't know. It, it, it's less of a cartoony level and more of a I wish I could think of like the word like it's I know what you're trying to say, yeah. though. It's you have a greater appreciation of it because you under, you have real world experience to lend to the the gravity of the situation that's occurring, yeah. like the actual stakes. Yeah, it's it's good, though. I mean, there are some some funny moments, but there's not a whole lot of humor because it's literally like these two characters basically through most of it in a lot of episodes, there's hardly any dialogue. Um, you know, it's, it's all just kind of the, the scenery and, and the movement of pictures and colors that kind of pushes the story ahead. It's, it's really different. I, th I, I would recommend it. Um, yeah, I'm glad no one else had that. That's, I, I was afraid somebody, somebody might. So, um, so before we jump to our number ones, uh, we're going to take a quick break um, and you can listen to some of our delightful music while that happens. And we'll be right back. And we're back. So um, before we jump into number ones, um, did you guys want to do any type of uh, of honorable mentions or anything like that? Or are we afraid that we're going to steal people's answers? Um, I would I, I would do so if we want to do some honorable mentions of maybe stuff that fall outside of our timeline. Oh, I mean, you certainly can. Um, I, don't I was going to say, I definitely have that. some honorable mentions, but I would be hesitant to steal someone else's number one. So what did, what did you have in mind, Adam? Uh, well, there's a whole bunch of uh, shows that have been on over the last decade or so that are just brilliant in their writing. One of my uh, all-time favorite shows, just to, as far as, like, I love to binge watch it and just put it on in the background when I'm, you know, doing stuff, is Archer. Archer oh is a phenomenal <laughs> show. Um, it, it's about a spy 
who's also an alcoholic, a bit of a sociopath, and uh, just, uh, you know, just an awkward person or whatever, but has an uh, amazing cast in it. Uh, the storylines are amazing. Uh, just a really funny show. And they actually um, have some amazing crossovers with other shows. Uh, for instance, there's a whole storyline in one season where they uh, they have a crossover storyline with... Uh, was what was that show called like uh deep Bob's sea Burgers? Uh, well there was oh uh, uh st- uh crap sea lab sea lab sea lab 2021 yeah sea lab which is weird that that's next year by the way oh god that's <laughs> that is weird uh, but yeah there's a whole uh episode uh arc where or a story arc where they uh Basically, the guy from uh, I can't remember which guy it was, but the guy from uh, one of the guys from C Lab, uh, the Race Bannon character. Yeah, yep. He looked just like Race Bannon from Johnny Quest, but Hanna Barbera reused him in C Lab. Yep, <laughs> that sounds about right. Mike Pence is who you're thinking of, by the way. Oh yeah, there's yes, that, yes. He uh, does bear a striking resemblance to Mike Pence. Yep. But they uh, they have him go crazy and threaten to uh, blow up the world with uh, some sort of gas unless they give in to his demands on climate change. Uh, science and stuff like that. There's uh, an episode where they uh, meet the guy who played uh, Shazam from the Shazam Isis Hour uh, TV series, uh, Michael uh, Michael Babcock. Or Ironside. Something. Oh no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> then uh, there, there, like Paul mentioned, there's an episode where they cross over a little bit with Bob's Burgers. Which is funny because the guy from Bob's Burgers also voices Archer. Voices Archer. Uh, so, yeah. So there's an episode where Archer kind of has a mind break after something happens in one of the episodes. And the next episode, you find out that he's been off the grid for a couple of months. And they find him because a couple of Russians figured out who he was and came and tried to kill him while he was working at his burger restaurant, Bob's Burgers. <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's a really well done show, and then Bob's Burgers I would definitely put as an honorable mention up there. That's a really funny show. Yeah, uh, yeah there, there's just I mean, there's a whole bunch of them that have been out. Uh, Metalocalypse uh, yep. f- from uh, Adult Swim and stuff like that. There's just a, a whole bunch over the last decade or so that have my, been my really f- good. Favorite show that's currently in existence, um, and I think they're working on a new season right now. Is Big Mouth. With oh, yeah. uh, with Nick Kroll and um, and uh, Maya Rudolph and uh, what's his name? Uh, he's he's on uh, he's on the league and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Jason um, Manzukas. Yep, yep, yeah. Manzukas. That's it. Yep. Uh, the guy who um, plays uh, Adrian in Brooklyn Nine Nine plays Rafi on the league. Rafi. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a fantastic show. And for those not familiar. It's literally all the really, really awful shit that we went through, um, like going through puberty and middle school and stuff like that, um, done in a really funny, almost Simpsons-esque type of animation style. Um, maybe not quite Simpsons. Maybe it's more like Family Guy. I don't know. It's 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 very like familiar animation style, though. Um, but they're all adult characters voicing these teenagers, like and the animation like, style is definitely exaggerated too. Like, oh sure, Kroll's mm-hmm. character definitely uh, like they accentuate some of the 
his actual characteristics, uh, like facial characteristics and stuff well, like that. Well, that's why they call the show Big Mouth is because yeah. he has a giant, giant mouth. Yep. Um, and <laughs> and the adults can't see them, but there are what they call hormone monsters um, that basically make you do all sorts of terrible things like make your mother cry or, you know, say really awkward things to girls or, um, you know, get visually aroused during class or something like that. I mean, and it's a really funny show. Um, my wife does not like any animated stuff like whatsoever. And after she watched one episode with me, we ended up watching like all three or four seasons or however many there are like back to back. Um, I've not watched a lot of this other show, but I really like Bojack Horseman, what I've seen of it. Um, I've never watched it. It's heavy. Um, I mean, it's, it's about, you know, coming to terms with like your life changing, you know, having everything and having that slowly change basically. Um, it's really funny, but also like, I can't watch more than like two episodes back to back because it it has a certain emotional toll it takes on you. Um, similar, I guess how we were talking about Ren and Stimpy, I guess in that way, you know, um, it has ways of like. Um, I've heard Rick and Morty is similar too. I've not watched any of that show, but oh, I've heard that yeah. that's kind of similar. I do love similar. Rick and Morty. I've, I've heard that's kind of similar where like you are just laughing your ass off one minute and then you're like crying on behalf of the characters in the next. Yep. Um, kind of similar to that. So, Good way of putting it. So I have a question. Yeah. Does anybody's number one have anything to do with MTV? If so, I will stop my honorable mention. No, mine doesn't. Uh possibly i can't remember which station i'm pretty okay. sure it was it, but okay if that's the case then i will hold off my honorable mention i will give a honorable mention and then i will just rattle off some random liquid television at the end okay. sure. <laughs> uh but my honorable mention is a show that not many people have heard of it was called wait till your father gets home hmm. it was a hanna-barbera adult animated sitcom and it was the only it was the second sitcom to last more than one season in prime time and it aired from 72 to 74 and it was very much like an animated all in the family very similar subject matter uh took place in relatively the same time frame was not pc it felt very much like king of the hill Uh, interesting and uh a the main uh the father in the the title character uh was voiced by tom bosley from you know happy days fan tom bosley is everybody's dad and i guess that's Basically, what my honorable yeah. mm-hmm. ma- mention is going to be he was mr cunningham on happy days he oh, was yeah. the father and wait till your father gets home and he was david the gnome he pretty much raised me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, you can't forget Father Dowling Mysteries, too, where he, you know, was everybody's father, where he was the Catholic priest that, you know, solved mysteries. Right, right. <laughs> Quite literally the father. <laughs> but I just wanted to throw that out there because I think that's a show that um, it'd be hard to find, but it used to be on Cartoon Network long before Adult Swim existed, and they would only air it at like 1 a.m. <laughs> and that was where most of my night owl tendency came because I had to stay up to see the show. Nice. So mm-hmm. I would just, you know, when I was a kid, I would just slowly keep staying up later and later on the weekend so I could watch the show because I was getting away with it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, it's it's 
it's not unlike anything you've seen before. It feels very much like The Simpsons or King of the Hill, but it's kind of, it takes place in a different period in time, and it's kind of fun, and I highly recommend that people go out and check out some clips from it. Cool. I'll definitely have to check that out. So, Paul, do you want to move ahead with your number three, or number one, I should say? I will move along with my number one. Uh, The only thing that I forgot to add that just occurred to me is that when I mentioned that my true number one was Todd McFarlane's Spawn, uh, if you Google HBO animation, you will find nothing but educational children's programming and then Spawn. (laughs) And it's a really fun Google search. Just so for fun, Google HBO Animation, and then where Google will show you the shows produced by them, it'll be like Babar the Elephant, um, Sesame Street, Spawn. (laughs) (laughs) One of these is not like the other. (laughs) That's how Oscar the Grouch got so grouchy. (laughs) Because he was the first Hell Spawn. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving on to my number one pick. I have to go with Comedy Central's Duckman. Oh, yeah. Oh, good selection. So, Duckman, uh, Private Dick, Family Man, that was actually the subtitle to the show, is a cartoon that aired on uh, Comedy Central on Friday nights from 94 to 97 in their adult cartoon block. Um, It was one of the few original shows, but it actually started on the USA Network before being called a Comedy Central original. And Mm. I think that has to do with how they're all owned by the same Paramount um, back-end company. And so it kind of got, you know, it it gets pushed around. But Comedy Central claims it as its own. It ran from 94 to 97, and it starred Jason Alexander as Duckman, who is a private eye who goes on. It's it's like an adult version of Darkwing Duck is the best way that I can describe (laughs) it. Yep. Yep. Um, it had an amazing voice cast of celebrities that would come through as reoccurring guests. Yeah. Um, well, and had, for those who aren't familiar, who aren't placing who Jason Alexander is, it's George Costanza from Seinfeld. So, I mean, you think about the network he has and people that he would be able to get on this show. It's going to be a pretty stellar lineup. Yeah. And it was uh, it was on simultaneously with Seinfeld. And being 100% honest, outside of a few random guest appearances, this is the only other credit that I can think of for Jason Alexander off the top of my head. Sure. Oh, he was Seinfeld, a- Duckman, and uh, what was the that? HBO show. What was that movie he was in with? Uh, uh, the Aristocrats? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, with uh, Jack Black. Uh, Shallow Hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I haven't thought about that movie in a minute. <laughs> I never saw it. Really? It was yeah. uh, It was weird. Jason Alexander had a tail in that movie. Yes, Ooh. he did. Yep. Yes, yep. he did. Just, uh... Yeah. You mean, like, like a story? A fable? No, no. no I, I mean, like, like, he had a, uh... Well, I forget yeah, what I know, I know. That's, that's the line from the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then he shows him, and it wags. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. I can't remember what they call that, but yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so, so Duckman. 
Yeah, back to Duckman. Um, It was a villain of the week type show. Uh, There was an overarching plot line which had to do with Duckman was a widower. Uh, His wife was believed to be dead and he was raising his teenage daughter along with his sidekick that he also solved crime with at night. Unlike Darkwing Duck, he wasn't a by night superhero per se. He was a known detective and not a very good one at that. Um, (laughs) My favorite reoccurring character is George Herbert Walker, otherwise known as King Chicken, who is like uh, Duckman's arch nemesis. He always schemed to ruin his life. Um, He's believed to be the one that killed uh, Duckman's wife, although I believe it turned out to be an accident. He was voiced by Tim Curry. Oh, who nice. is by far one of my top five favorite actors of all time. Voice, oh, live action, doesn't matter. If yeah. it has Tim Curry, I'm watching it. I'm listening to it. I'm I'm there. And one of my all time favorite comedies is Clue the movie with because of Tim Curry and how good he was in that. Tim Curry can make Tom Arnold funny. <laughs> if you've never seen McHale's Navy, highly recommend it. And I'm referring to the 97 movie version, not the, you know, old black and white Ernest Borgnine TV show. But all you need is Tim Curry and you can have an entertaining movie that literally amounts to nothing. But it has Tim Curry. Uh-huh. Right. He he notches everything up just a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic actor. And can do everything. He can be serious, he can be really funny. Yeah, I mean his his uh like I still see a lot of uh people talk about Clue on on Reddit like on the movie uh subreddits and stuff and pretty much everyone that talks about it on there talks about like what a tour de force he is in that movie. Like he he carries that movie even though it's got uh, you know, Madeline Kahn and, uh, oh, uh, Martin Mull and all of these, uh, 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 oh gosh, the dude that plays Doc Brown in, in, uh, oh, uh, Christopher Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, yeah. uh, like it's got, uh, Michael McKeon, uh, it's got all these amazing comedy actors in it, but man, does he just steal the show in it with how good he is. I just remember that he was on Mighty Max, the animated series. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it automatically moved it up a couple levels. <laughs> yep, Tim Curry played uh, Skullmaster. Nice. But that is this is my number one. I think it's a severely underrated show. Um, it was definitely popular at its debut, and it sort of fizzled off. I think that was part of because of the time slot and the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of adult animated comedies at that time outside of like you know the Critic, Doctor Katz, and The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of dominated the market in the ninety four ninety five time frame. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Maybe King of the Hill came in there. I don't quite remember at the, that, but those were kind of the you know Fox was the big power mover for those type of comedies. Comedy right. Central not so much yet, although it was coming with you know the advent of South Park and some of those other shows. But um, yeah, I, it's a diamond in the rough. I highly recommend that if you get some time, you check it out. It is available on DVD. I don't know if it's on a streaming service yet. And it is way better than Howard the Duck. Hey, now. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I, I had to go there. <laughs> <sighs> I know it's the first ever Marvel movie, but... Uh... <laughs> no, no. The live-action Spider-Man or the live-action Captain America. Oh, that's uh, true. There was a live-action Captain America. Uh-huh. There were two. There was Captain yeah. America and Captain America Death Too Soon. There was the Doctor Strange movie from 78. Oh, my gosh. There was a, a whole... Oh, you can't forget the Incredible Hulk movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, with Lou Ferrigno? Yeah. Yeah, because they had the TV show, but then they also did a string of movies that would have been just before Howard the Duck, but same time frame. Yep, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. You've shattered my dreams with your dislove for Howard <laughs> the Duck. Oh, I, I don't I don't dislove it. I just... Uh, it, it had its time. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I would love to see them remake it in the way that they did like that Pikachu detective movie. Um, I think that that would be a really cool movie, but. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. That's true. That's yep. true. I was very excited. And in uh, <laughs> Endgame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. So, Adam, what do you have for your number one? All right. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go uh, with one that was a little mainstream, but I think it's important to mention it because I feel like this really launched adult cartoons into uh, the forefront, and that was Beavis and Butthead. Yep. Uh, yep. So, Mike Judge, the same guy that did uh, King of the Hill, did this show called Beavis and Butthead, which uh, featured the titular characters who were both kind of the metalhead kids from school that just were uh, like ADD and spastic and, and crazy and stuff like that. But uh, they just loved uh, like rock music and stuff like that. And it was just about their daily lives and stuff. And so, you know, this was the first show that I really remember being a kind of cultural phenomenon for like older kids to still be watching cartoons like i remember my cousin telling me about beavis and butthead and i was like i've never heard of that before and he kind of explained it and showed me an episode and stuff like that it was so different for the time and it really made it possible for i mean obviously the simpsons predated beavis and butthead but i feel like this really launched the the concept of like more adult themed cartoons being edgier uh which the simpsons could at times but it was still pretty tame you know for the most part uh whereas this you know pushed the envelope and then you had king of the hill and then of course south park in the 90s and then uh, family guy and all those shows that kind of followed so this one really kind of set off that trend of like the adult themed uh, really popular shows like you had the ones on Adult Swim and stuff like that, but this was a a mainstream show that really became a big phenomenon before even South Park did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I think South Park came out literally as Beavis and Butthead was coming off the air. I think you're um, right. Yeah, yeah, they it's may have overlapped because South Park was '97 and Beavis and Butthead ended in '98. Yeah, okay. probably, probably. 
But um, Comedy Central wasn't a well-carried network at that time, so we probably hadn't I, – I don't know if you guys remember what a big deal it was when the Grand Rapids, Michigan area got Comedy Central. Like, yeah. we were finally able to get it as a channel. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is so weird now to think about that, but yeah, I mean – Back it, then, uh, Craig Kilborn used to do The Daily Show. Yeah. Yeah. But it was before John Stewart. There was no Stephen Colbert was not a household name. Um, if you want to see a comic, Carl. yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable to think about how how long ago and how different that was. Yeah, because um, I think it's fair to say that we true we actually missed the first season of South Park. We had we were watching it via VHS tapes. We yeah. were passing around school. Yep. and catching it from the video store. But I don't think we got to see it in our local market. Mm-mm. When we were growing up, till probably yeah. season two or three, I think, is when we finally got to like watch. It, it was live. two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my uh, my uncle um, used to record them and then would send them to us because uh, he was in like the Greater Detroit area and would send them for my my dad to watch, and then my dad would just be thinking it was hilarious and would show it to us and that was the joys of uh going to dad's house for the weekend he always wanted to be the cool parent so he let us drink sodas after like 9 p.m oh, dang. And, play, and play doom <laughs> and and watch south park um but going back to beavis and butthead that show i thought was just so funny so funny they just did such stupid shit on uh-huh. that show like i remember there's this one episode they found this like monster truck tire i don't remember who got pushed down the hill I, it must have been beavis um got pushed down the hill in the tire and it just keeps going like all through town <laughs> there's one episode where he eats some bad chicken that was like undercooked or something like that and gets a really bad stomach ache and then he gets the idea from a TV commercial that he might be pregnant. And <laughs> then he hears somebody at like the convenience store. I can't remember the name of the convenience store is where, where Todd works. Oh, yeah. um, he hears these two ladies talking and one of them has a little bit of a, a, a pregnancy belly. And her friend is like, oh, there you go, Cheryl. Gone and got yourself pregnant. He's like, oh, my God, you get yourself pregnant? <laughs> like he just freaks out. Um, um, there's so many just really, really great premises and well, a lot of them got got the show in trouble a lot legally yeah. um, because a lot of times younger kids would watch this stuff and you know beavis's obsession with fire apparently led to several people lighting their mobile homes on fire that were Oops. under the age of five um <laughs> you know i shouldn't laugh at that but no i mean no. it's funny <laughs> one of yeah. the best uh running things that they had in the original run of it was every episode or pretty much every episode they would watch a music video that was on MTV yep. at the time, whether it be ACDC or Guns N' Roses or Slayer or whatever. Uh, they would watch a music video and then kind of like uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, yep. they would uh, comment on it and joke around about it while it was playing and stuff. You know, they'd uh, make fun of the band members or make fun of something that was going on. Uh, and one, it was cool because you got to, I mean, they actually had the real music videos playing in this. Uh, yeah. uh, so you got to hear a little bit of the music. But then two, it was just so funny hearing them like riff on these bands and stuff like that as the music videos are going on. Yep. And they usually themselves wore t-shirts that had like 
Metallica and ACDC and stuff like oh, yeah. that on them. Um, and then there was this one kid at school named Stuart who always wore a winger t-shirt and he always got made fun of <laughs> mercilessly. <laughs> um, their guidance counselor, I'm trying to remember what his name was. Um, the hippie guy, right? Yeah, like Mr. Van Dorsen or something like that. He was, yeah, he had like a ponytail and he would play his like acoustic guitar and um in the movie Beavis and Butthead Do America, he plays a song called Lesbian Seagull, <laughs> yes. um, which is hilarious in every sense. But um, the show, I mean, when you think about Mike Judge and some of the stuff that he's been involved with, the, the character uh, Tom Anderson, uh, Beavis and Butthead's neighbor, was the inspiration for Hank Hill for oh, King of yeah. the Hill. Um, he also, you know, was the creator of Silicon Valley. He yep. uh, wrote and directed Office Space, yep. Idiocracy, and Extract. I mean, the guy's been involved with a lot of, like, quintessential what I would call 90s and early 2000s pop culture must and what's have. so crazy about it, most of his works are not popular at the time of release. Yeah. Right. They yep. usually find their fandom in replays and cult phenomenon. For whatever reason, he's just he he doesn't sell tickets, for lack right. of a better term. Yeah. He just to give you an idea of some of the uh ones he's been involved with, uh he was in Airheads as a voice with uh Steve Buscemi and uh, Adam Sandler, Beavis and Butthead, uh, Do America, Office Space, uh, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. Uh, he was in the Spy Kids movies. He was in Idiocracy. Uh, so, he, yeah, he's been involved in quite a few, like, quintessential, I would call them, like, almost observational humor kind of shows where they take a setting, a specific setting, and then kind of observe the absurdity and the medanity of a lot of those things sure sure um so i guess for my number one um and i know that there's some big ones that we've left off although I, we've mentioned them all of several times from the simpsons king of the hill south park family guy um i think the three of us all kind of intentionally decided that most of those shows we would likely do a full full episode on at some point in the future. They're, they're very popular topics that have been requested by listeners. So if you didn't hear your favorite TV show discussed today, um, we, we will likely be discussing those in future episodes. But, but for my number one, um, we kind of talked about a lot of things that are tangentially related to this show, but not this show specifically. Uh, released in 1999 and uh, canceled in 2004, Home Movies. Ooh, uh, yes. was was a Brendan Small uh, creation. Uh, well, I should say it was Brendan Small and uh, Lauren uh, Bouchard, I think is how you say his last name. So Brendan Small is also very famous for uh, creating Metalocalypse. He voices Nathan Explosion uh, on that show, as well as plays all the instruments except for drums in the band Death Clock. And then uh, Lauren Bouchard is creator of Bob's Burgers and uh, Lucy, Daughter of the Devil. <laughs> So, um, and a lot of these folks have been involved in all of these different uh, IPs. So, Brendan Small voices himself in this show. And are you guys, do you guys watch the show a lot or familiar with it or? I watched it a lot in reruns, but at the time that it first came out, the animation style kind of drove me nuts. It's really, really hard to, it's like the squigglemation or whatever they call it. Like it's, yeah. it's like the 
every frame is constantly moving. Like it's, it kind of reminds me of Dr. Katz. I know I've made the exact opposite comment how Dr. Katz reminds me of this in, in past episodes, but, um, but yeah, so Brendan Small essentially plays himself um, as like a 10 year old boy or something like that, living with his uh, recently divorced mother. <clears throat> he has an adopted sister and he and his two friends, uh, Melissa and Jason, their hobby is making home movies. So they like to make their own um, like narrative driven videos on the home camcorder. And he basically plays himself. A character named Melissa Robbins, one of his best friends, was played by uh, Melissa Gelski. And then his mother, uh, her name was Paula Small. She was played initially by Paula Poundstone and then later by uh, Janine DeTulio, I think is how you say your name. Um, his friend Jason, as well as Coach McGurk, who is one of the greatest animated characters of all time, um, <laughs> Both of those characters were voiced by none other than H. John Benjamin, who oh. we already yep. have discussed, famously voices Sterling Archer from Archer, Bob Belcher from Bob's Burgers, and Satan from uh, Lucy, Daughter of the Devil. <laughs> so um, really ridiculous, uncomfortable, off-the-wall humor. It's a lot of empty space for awkwardness, and you kind of laugh because of the awkwardness. These three friends, they make just ridiculous movies. I was watching one earlier today where um, the premise of this movie that they had made was that uh, Brendan and Melissa were getting divorced, you know, as characters in the show because they're 10 years old. They're not getting divorced for real. But like in the movie they made, they're getting divorced, but she's also his divorce attorney. Oh. <laughs> and they're talking about why this is such a bad idea for me to represent you in a divorce from me. And then he's like feeling all heartbroken and very much overacting it. And then Jason comes in with a leisure suit, fake chest hair coming out of the top of his shirt and basically tells Melissa that he's rich and in love with her. And then they have a sword fight from there. And the sword fight is full of, oh, here's another one. Oh, can you take this one? How about that one? Oh, how about three of these? Oh, and then both swords break. And then from there, the sword fight is like, well, how are we going to solve this? We have to fight like men. Oh, with our fists? Like, no, with jazz. And then they have like a jazz <laughs> scat off. It's really rid ridiculous stuff. Um, as I mentioned before, Coach McGurk is my favorite character on the show. And he is... Anyone who's seen Big Mouth is like Coach Steve. I mean, he's just like a total dead-end loser guy that is the PE teacher at their school. He's constantly um, hungover or currently drunk while at work. His whole life is like falling apart, but he is seen as kind of a father figure to these kids because they don't really have one. There was an episode I was telling Adam about earlier because I had some trouble sleeping the other night. And there was an episode where, where Coach McGurk was talking about his insomnia, how he hasn't slept for four days. And Melissa, you know, this 10-year-old kid is like, well, have you tried lying down and closing your eyes? And he's like, oh, closing my eyes and lying down, huh? So so the idea is just just go to sleep, huh? 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 You're a genius. Why don't you write a freaking book? Get on the speaker circuit. Like, and he kind of loses it. And that's that's kind of his charm. I mean, it feels like the same guy that plays Archer for a reason, you know? So, but, um, but that's my number one. Um, 
so yeah, I don't I don't think I have any other comments. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add? Yeah. So the reason I held off on my big honorable mention was because I had a feeling that it would play into someone's number one, and I was right. Uh, I want to mention MTV's Liquid Television. Do you guys sure. remember that at all? Kinda. I do not remember seeing it, but I know that's where Beavis and Butthead's origins are from. But beyond yeah, so- that, I've never watched the show because I was a little – I would have been like, what, five or six when that show was popular, so – yeah, so it was the very early 90s. Uh, a lot of the show – so it was a programming block and it, it was like experimental animation. It was kind of like Cartoon Cartoon on Cartoon Network, which would come later, uh, where it would just have these one-off short animations that some of them turned into other things and a lot of them didn't go anywhere. But right, right. <laughs> it, was kind of, uh, it was kind of a neat thing. It was very experimental. It was an awesome thing on Friday nights and – they had such hits as that's where Beavis and Butthead originated from. Daria originated from Liquid Television. And mm-hmm. another one of my favorites, Ion Flux, uh, oh, yeah. originated mm-hmm. from Ion Television. And if you're not familiar with Ion Flux, you've probably seen the MTV commercials where the eyelash catches a fly. Uh, where they would sh- that was a clip that they would play over and over. That's from the intro to Ion Flux. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. But yeah, I just, it was kind of, I feel like that was kind of one of those factors that just sort of pushed TV to, that was to come, uh, kind of like a lot of the shows we've talked about tonight. So I figured we would be amiss if I didn't at least mention it. If you go out to YouTube and Google liquid television, you can actually watch like whole two and three hour blocks that people have uploaded to YouTube. And it's kind of neat. I did not know about this. I am going to have to look into this. Yeah, and it's kind of neat because a lot of it actually has the commercials in there, too. To go back and watch commercials from, like, 1993 is a joy. (laughs) It was definitely a different part in time. (laughs) Yes, yes. When you see, like, cigarette commercials. (laughs) Yes. But that's, that's all I had. I just wanted to do a quick brief mention of that. Sure, sure. All right. Well, um, I guess that wraps up our discussion on 80s, 90s, and early 2000s adult cartoons. Please be sure to drop in next time when Adam leads us in a discussion of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, I don't want to get sued either. Um, <laughs> uh, and in future episodes, Paul and I will be di- Paul will be discussing Dr. Mario, and I'll be discussing the Metal Gods, Judas Priest. Thanks again for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've got mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, which is soon to be rebranded Google Podcasts, so update your apps shortly, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwbackion. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at datingourselvespodcast, and we do the Twitter thing too at datedpodcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. See you guys. Later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.